Hey, I'm Jillian. And I'm Jessica. And this is Not Not That That Kind of Girl Podcast. We wanted to create a platform for women to speak transparently about their relationship to food and what they're learning along the way. Trigger warning, we do speak very candidly about disordered eating, body dysmorphia, and everything under that umbrella. So if that makes you uncomfortable in any way, please turn off this podcast and we wish you all the best. Thanks for listening. So welcome, welcome to episode two. What? (laughs) This is our first episode um, interviewing someone and we're really excited to invite um, our first guest on, Emily. So Emily and I just met honestly on Instagram (laughs) through FFE, which is um, shout out to Jessie Golden. It's her program. So uh, Emily and I definitely like started driving right away. Um, and I really wanted to have her on the podcast. So without further ado, Emily, how are you feeling today? I am ready and excited for this conversation. Oh my gosh. We're so excited to have you. Um, okay. Why don't we start with, why don't you give us like your elevator pitch? Who are you? What do you do? What do you love? That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, So like I said, my name is Emily. I am 32 years old. I live in Minneapolis with my husband and our one-year-old daughter. She just turned one last week. So that's been awesome. Um, Having a baby in a pandemic is an adventure that many can relate to and not many can even fully comprehend just yet. Um, But that's been my world. yeah, I am in tech sales right now. Um, my career kind of bounced around a lot of different places. I've been in retail and then on the merchandising side and then moved over to sales. And yeah, now I'm in tech sales, uh, working from home for the foreseeable future. Um, and then outside of work, you know, my family and I, we love to stay active and do lots of hiking vacations. Our next big trip, we're going to Acadia National Park in a couple of weeks, which we're super excited about. Oh my gosh, that'll be amazing. Yeah, so we're in like peak fall colors season. Yeah. So that'll be lovely. Yeah. Yes. And then yeah, like Jillian said, you know, we met um via Instagram, but became fast friends. And um I am also going through Jesse Golden's Food Freedom Evolution program right now and just been loving it. Jesse, I've been following Jesse since I like to consider myself one of her OG followers. I was back when she only had like a thousand Instagram followers. I actually found her through Paleo MG, if any of you guys follow her. Julie Bauer, yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, she is great. Um and so yeah, that's how I came across Jesse and she's been pretty integral in my recovery too, as we'll get into. And so I'm just excited to be part of her actual program. Do you remember like the first moment that you kind of like, that that this disordered eating or maybe body dysmorphia or kind of the first moment in your life that you took stock in like food or how you looked or that it mattered or perhaps when the disordered eating began? Like, do you have a clear memory of that? I was thinking about this in preparation and I very much, uh, it began in middle school for me. So I was probably about 12 years old. Um, and all of a sudden my friends and I cared about what we looked like 
And I had friends who were starting to diet and like put together meal plans and worry about all those things. And I was like, oh, I, I guess I should be worried about that. And thus began my obsession with the scale. And that's where a lot of my you know, luckily or, um, you know, this whole thing is just such a journey, but for me, it wasn't too much. Um, you know, I wasn't, I luckily hadn't gone to a path of huge, like food restriction, but for me, it was an exercise, an over-exercise cycle and daily weigh-ins and daily check-ins. And like you, the scale was my best friend, which is so sad looking back on, um, yeah, starting around 12 years old. I remember um, Do you remember, like your, did your mom weigh herself a lot? Did your dad, like, was there sort of a, a focus on that in the home or was it mostly because of your sort of outside community? Um, not inside my home, like not necessarily, I think my mom modeled, uh, actually a pretty healthy relationship with food. Um, I think some of it came from, you know, extended family members too that were um very focused on looks um and you know just comments would start to pop up with um you know if different family members were at different weights you know I had family that kind of lived all over the country so we wouldn't see each other for like six months to a year at a time and you could guarantee whenever we'd run into or whenever we'd visit family, a a comment would be made good, bad, indifferent, whatever it was. It was just always part of the conversation. Um, And I think that that was partially triggering for me. Um, But then also I remember uh, I had a picture of in my locker in middle school of like my best friend and I, at the summer pool we belonged to and we were wearing our bikinis and we were kind of like bent over posing with our face in our hands next to each other. And I just thought it was like a fun picture of my friend and I, and I had a boy in one of my classes point to my stomach and be like, Oh, like, Oh, you have some roles in that picture. And I just had a moment where I was like, Oh, I, I never even thought about my body in that picture. I was thinking about this fun time I had with my friend and our smiling faces. And how old were you? I was, I very clearly, I was probably 12. I was in seventh grade. Seventh grade. Um, yeah, that, oh, that moment. I was just thinking about that the other day and it just makes me want to hug 12 year old Emily and be like, that is not what this picture is about. This picture is about having fun and yeah. Uh, 12 year old Emily too. What a, (laughs) so interesting this that that you know boys are taught that it's sort of okay to kind of comment on women's bodies and it's interesting you talking about you know your family members who always made some sort of a comment about another family member in relationship to their physical form it's Mm -hmm. it seems to be really widely accepted um and i don't know i i had to tell a friend to stop commenting on my body. I had to actually request that of him. And he got very defensive with me mm-hmm. and, because I think it's just sort of commonplace. You know, men think that it's okay to make comments about women's bodies um, in relationship to this like stamp of approval, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was, um, I can pretty much correlate that with 
the scale obsession and even, I, didn't, I don't you know, I probably didn't even know what I weighed before then, but then all of a sudden it became a daily habit and that would stay um, the case for literally the next 18 years of my life, which is so crazy to think about. But yeah, it took me 18 years to break up that relationship with the scale. Yeah. I mean, I really relate to that. I, I've been working with a dietitian and, and she had asked me probably about a month ago, like, what, like, what does the scale give to you? Like, honestly, yeah. like, what is it, what is it giving to you? Like, whether you're up or down one pound or two pounds, like, is it going to, is it going to benefit you either in the positive or the negative? And it just, it was, it was such an interesting investigation because it was an obsession for me too. It was like, I would wake up and I would go to the bathroom to make sure I was fully empty. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> Pee it all out, poop it all out, whatever. Totally. Of course and, as well. <laughs> yeah. And then up on the scale. And if it was like, you know, if it was down one pound, all of a sudden I was like, okay, okay, I, I'm, I'm being a good girl. I'm being mm -hmm. a good girl. And if it was up one pound, it was like, you know, I would spiral and my day would be destroyed, yep. like completely ruined. Completely. And so we'll come back to that a little bit too, as I talk about the recovery piece, but it's just, you have to reset your relationship with, with that piece of metal at some point. Um, because like I said, like I, it's, it's so crazy to me. Like even still, I can tell you, you know, any monumental moment that happened in my life, like high school graduation, you know, prom, whatever, my wedding day, I can tell you exactly what I weighed that morning because wow. that was a critical part to it. And I just, again, want to go back and hug Emily at different ages throughout my life because that's not what it's about. Right. So, Yeah. Um, that was, you know, middle school. And then in addition to that, I was an early bloomer. And so, you know, I started middle school as a little string bean kid and just went through puberty. And what happens as a woman goes through puberty is you, you get curvy and you gain weight because your body is preparing to be able to carry life and people, you know, that happens to people at different ages. Um, and for me, all of a sudden I was fully developed at pretty much the same height, weight, and boob size that I am now at 14 years old. And, but at 14, when a lot of my friends are also still little string beans, it was, you know, I, just putting different pressure on myself. One, going back to boys making comments about women's bodies freely, like there was two different sides of that too. Like all of a sudden I was hypersexualized, but then on the other side, I was, I was bigger than my friends, like in, you know, in my, my waist, my hips, my arms, everything, you know, I was just, I just had an adult body all of a sudden. And then, so that was, you know, starting high school, um, and still had the obsession with the scale, but it wasn't until my senior year of high school that I actually, you know, went on a diet and like lost weight for the first time. Um, so I was, I was super active. I was a swimmer and we got a new coach who just kicked our butts that year. And frankly, I, I got in really great shape. Like I was exercising, you know, twice a day was between swim practice and we would do dry land and running and weightlifting, all these things. And I just, I lost like 15 pounds in two months probably and got a lot of compliments and felt really good about myself. Um, you know, obviously still having an obsession with the scale because God forbid I 
I gained one pound of those 15 pounds back after swim season was over. And that's when the cycle of the restriction really started. Um, so, you know, I was 18 at that point. And for the next 10 years, um, you know, through college and in my early 20s, it was up and down 10 to 15 pounds pretty much every 18 months, right? Like, you start college, I pretty much gained that freshman 15 everyone talks about to get back to the weight that I was before swim team season. Um, but then the next year I found calorie counting and had my, I forget what the app was called at the time, but you know, some weight loss app that had you track calories. And I had never thought about calories before. And, but I was like, oh, I learned this new way of tracking. And so then calorie counting became the obsession for the next four years. And you know, would lose 10 pounds, but then I went to go study abroad and didn't bring my beloved scale with me to study abroad because again, hindsight, that is not what studying abroad is about, but I was terrified to go four months of studying abroad without weighing myself. And yeah, Um, the second I came home from that trip, I like ran to my scale and like, you know, had to assess how much quote unquote damage there had been on that trip. And it was up and down, up and down. Then I found paleo. Um, and that was a thing. And, you know, from like 2013 to 2015, and that was my new thing. I was like, okay, I'm going to eat paleo for the rest of my life. And that's going to keep me down at this, you know, bottom of my 10 to 15 pound range. And then that wasn't sustainable anymore because, you know, you got to live your life. So then, so now we're probably looking at, you know, I'm 2016. I was in a relationship for, you know, nice guy, but we just weren't serving each other. And we were in the relationship way too long, um, got way too comfortable with something that just wasn't right for either of us. And when we broke up in the summer of 2016, I think I was sad. I was sad for literally 24 hours. And then all of a sudden I woke up the next morning and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Because again, we just weren't right for each other. And so having that freedom, uh, I felt like a I physically felt weight lifted off my shoulders and the next six weeks were some of the most fun times of my life. I was just out there meeting new friends, going on dating apps because I wanted to see what this, you know, Bumble and all these dating apps that had been a thing while I was in this relationship for the last five years were. And I was just having so much fun that I, um, and that I, ten, those, you know, 10 to 15 pounds I'm always chasing just kind of fell off me literally within a month. Um, and I got a lot of compliments from friends. And after that happened, you know, literally a month later, I met my now husband. Um, and he has this wonderful group of friends who are my friends now. Um, so I was, I was falling in love. I was meeting new friends. I had just got promoted at work. My life on paper and in my mind was perfect. Like I was in this wonderful place and that happened to coincide with me being at a lower weight. And so that was fine and dandy. And I was just living my life and living on this high for probably six months to a year. But then all of a sudden these voices in my head started creeping in of like, this is too good to be true. This clearly all happened to you because you were skinny, right? Like hearing this, these voices in my head, just telling me that this the rug was going to be pulled out from underneath me at any moment. And so I started white knuckling to that number on the scale and, um, 
just feeling really vulnerable, um, that my life was too good to be true in that moment. And all of a sudden I, uh, I realized I was restricting, uh, my food a lot and it turned into binging for the first time. And the first time I found myself in the middle of a binge was truly an out of body experience. It was like, what is happening? I am so uncomfortably full, but I, I can't stop eating. I, I don't know how to control this. And I just, I felt so guilty and ashamed and physically uncomfortable because, you know, you're eating yourself to a, a, a place that's, you know, not physically serving you. And for better or for worse, you know, frankly, I don't even know how to say that, but I, I tried to make myself throw up and I, I couldn't. And so I woke up the next morning and was like, Oh, okay. That was a one-time thing. I don't know what happened. I'll just go for a five mile run this morning and I won't eat until, you know, dinner time tonight. And thus began the binge restrict cycle that put me in a really dark place. Um, for way too long. I, again, on the outside, my life was quote unquote perfect. I was so happy. I had these amazing friends. I had these amazing, this amazing job. I actually just got a, I'd gotten a new job at that point that put me on a path of crazy imposter syndrome, which is a whole nother topic of conversation that I'm sure many women can relate to. Um, but because I was on this binge cycle, there was just so much shame and stigma behind it because I knew I needed help. Um, but those horrible voices in my head were telling me like, Oh, you don't even have a real eating disorder because, you know, from an outsider's perspective, I wasn't underweight by any means. I looked really healthy. Um, and I wasn't anorexic because I was eating and, I was working out and staying active and that's what you're supposed to do. Right. And so the, again, those horrible voices in my head were telling me I, I didn't deserve help. I wasn't even, I wasn't even, you know, um, controlling enough to be anorexic. And so why, why did I deserve help in healing this what I now know was an eating disorder, but at the time I was talking myself out of it even being an eating disorder. Um, and so there was one day, probably this is, you know, this was going on for like 18 months where I, I got to the point where I was really only eating like every other day, pretty much because the, the binge restrict cycle was just so dark. And I kind of had a panic attack and I, um, ended up calling, this local eating disorder clinic in Minneapolis where I live, which is ironically named the Emily project. Um, and they're a wonderful organization, but, uh, my conversation with them on the phone was, you know, they had, they wanted me to fill out these forms and they were like, okay, we can get you in in six weeks for an appointment. And I was just in such a low place where I was like, I can't, I can't wait six weeks like this. I can't live like this anymore. And, um, so that, day I finally even told you know my now husband but he he was my fiance at the time what was going on um and while he was so loving and so supportive it was something that he couldn't even quite understand because again the the stigma with binge eating like people don't talk about it you know I think a lot of people see it as just someone who doesn't have self-control yeah um, 
and you know, I'm sure you know people you know have heard of it before, but um, I was just beating myself up of like I I don't have self control. That's the problem. I need to be more controlling. I need to be more restrictive. Um, but at least you know he was the only person I told for a long time. But at least it was like starting to open the window to towards the light of what health could look like. And so um, the next steps and trying were frankly trying to recover. Um, but my body was just so stressed. I had put back on that, you know, again, 10 to 15 pounds that I was up and down, but I'd put that back on. But my body was, I was puffy because I was, you know, not eating and then eating everything in sight. And then I was doing these crazy high intensity workouts that were now I know aren't serving my adrenal system. And it's so like my face was puffy and I was just miserable. And so I was trying to find, um, you know, someone to help me and, you know, a therapist or whatever it was. And I came across this online coach, not Jesse, to be clear, Jesse has been amazing. Someone else who, um, was, you know, a certified life coach, whatever that means, and focused dieting and weight loss. And she was coaching me on how to um, move to basically not having an emotional attachment to food. And like totally swinging the pendulum the other way, just like not caring about food. And that's how you still quote unquote restrict, but from a healthy place and get to whatever weight you want. And so I'm working with this life coach for a couple months. And in hindsight, I'm like, gosh, this woman, you know, I don't want to blame her for growing her business and working with the right clients, but I was in, I was, I have a full blown eating disorder and someone was teaching me how to lose weight. Like that was not okay with me now, obviously, and shouldn't be okay with anyone. But that was, that was just really hard. And this is where I get really, um, you know, trigger warning. But like, when I see people promoting things online about, oh, look at this new coaching program I'm doing, or look at this new workout program, or, you know, eat like me and blah, blah, blah. It just, it scares me so much for what underlying eating disorders are in those communities and people aren't getting the help that they need. Uh, you know, what's sorry. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I mean, it's, it's so interesting. There's a couple things that you've said, you, you had made one comment about white knuckling and, mm -hmm. and that's such a good image because it is this like holding so tight to something, right. And it's this control mm -hmm. behavior. And then on the other side of it, you have the binging, which is like the losing control. So there's this, and then, and then you talked a lot about just the, um, I didn't deserve help. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've been noticing about myself inside of my own recovery um, is just like the the control behaviors and the sort of manic episodes that mm -hmm. put me in this like hyper state of what I thought was productivity. Um, and if I didn't hold on to that hyper state, that like manic state, then I I wasn't I wasn't good enough, right? Like I didn't have like you know I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be seen as worthy. And, and so much of that being attached to that extra 10, 15 pounds, right? Like all of a sudden the world is looking at you and they're like, Oh, what are you doing? You, you're taking such good care of yourself. And you're like, I'm actually literally killing myself, but thank mm -hmm. you for saying that I look <laughs> amazing according to sort of, you know, our, our cultural understanding of, of what beauty looks like. Mm -hmm. And 
there are all of these external representations in the fitness and the wellness community that is is hyper focused on weight loss and what you should eat, right? But we're not talking about it um like hey what hey what makes you feel good? Yeah. How can we get to a place as as women together um where we are able to nourish ourselves so that we can then do all of the things for the people in our lives that we love from a, a real place of generosity, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. Filling your own cup up first. I'm learning that as a mom, right? Like that's such a, you know, I, I get the mom guilt when I need someone to watch my daughter so I can go get a pedicure. Like, and I know that's such a first world problem thing, but it's, it's okay for moms to want that break. And like, um, you know, my first night away from my daughter was a girl's weekend in Palm Springs. And we needed, and most of my friends that I went with were new moms. And we all took a moment of like, yeah, let's remember who we are outside of just being a mom too. Um, so it was, you know, I'm happy to have that community. Um, your, your child as she grows, right. To see like, Hey, it's okay for you to have your own experiences outside of your family, right? Like that's only going to bring a richness to the actual family structure as opposed to like, you know, empty yourself and don't be who you are anymore. Like you now have to play this role as assigned by, you know, society, which, which, you know, pairs evenly with the, the, the body stuff and having to look a certain way uh, to eat a certain way, right? Like good women pick at their salad and mm-hmm. and never finish their food in front of people, right? Right, never. Yeah. Please, you have the last bite. Oh, oh no, I yeah. Don't. <laughs> yeah. I just brought this up just the other day, like how men just in my life always, but I can think of every relationship I've been in. Like I've always had so much resentment that like they can every single day they can stop and have a slice of pizza or if they want that scoop of ice cream, that's what they have. Like they literally can eat whatever they want. And I've always had so much resentment. And now as I'm healing, I'm like, okay, why can't I? Like, I think there was like four days in a row that I like had a cookie or had ice cream. And like, I wasn't judging. I was like really good. I was like, I really want this right now. I'm going to have it. I'm not going to overeat. And then I'm going to move on. But like, I kind of took stock because I was like, whoa, I was like, I've been like, you know, not eating how I usually do. And I was like, that's just normal for a guy, you know, like, that's just normal. That's just what they do for the most part. I'm obviously saying a blanket statement. I'm sure there's many men that watch what they eat, but every boyfriend I've had, every significant other I've had, it's like, it was always such like something I would always observe and was just like, God, I'm so jealous that I can't live that life. Or like the, the, oh wow, you have such a big appetite. And you're like, I'm eating literally the same amount, like, like whatever I'm, you mean, I'm like finishing my food. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm just eating. But that it's this thing that like puts this hyper focus on the food. And then it's like, but you're not supposed to have an appetite, right? Like as a woman, you're not supposed to have an appetite. And that is crazy. (laughs) That 100% fueled the secret binge eating too, right? Because I was not only physically restricting myself, but mentally restricting myself. You know, I was at work and everyone was eating lunch 
you know, I would pretend like half my salad was fine because, you know, comparing myself to what everyone else was eating around me and I couldn't, you know, God forbid I ate more than that. And then the rest of the day, white knuckling it until I got home and could like feed my body. And so now what I know is, you know, self-diagnosing myself with binge eating, but like really my body was protecting itself. Like it was like, Hey, you're not feeding me. I need food to live and grow and survive and create this beautiful life that you're leading and I need to be fed. And so I'm actually as part of my recovery, like been able to see it as something I'm so thankful for because otherwise I would have been starving myself to death. Um, so that was a big part of my recovery. So I guess going back to that, so that, that cycle, this binge restrict cycle went on from like a full two years before I, I found the right person to work with, to help me move through that recovery. So it was like 2019. Um, and actually one moment that, um, I think is really important was important for me is, um, I, we were out with, um, a group of friends, our closest friends, and I had to go home at some point cause I, I hadn't eaten all day cause you know, uh, not, and I don't think in that moment I was necessarily restricting myself, but I just, we'd been out and about and I was like, I need to go home and eat and then I'll come meet up with you guys later. And I went home and I, ended up binging and I was so sick that I couldn't go back out that night and meet up with my friends. And now I know in hindsight, uh, one of my friends died two weeks after that. Um, and that was the last time I saw him. And it was like such a wake up call of like, Emily, this is literally ruining your life. Like, uh, you didn't get to spend one last night out with one of your best friends before he passed away. Like this is time to get help. Um, cause you know, you, you, this is ruining your life. Um, and so one of my girlfriends, um, who I had just become close to around that time, I was starting to be a little bit open with her on just like disordered eating and what to do. And she actually connected me with her life coach that she had been working with and you know, I, I was kind of toting on life coach, quote unquote, being a term I don't always trust, but this woman, um, was the right person for me. Um, and she, the first thing she did was help me realize that it wasn't a binge eating disorder. It was a restriction disorder and that's what was affecting me. And so the scariest thing that I had to do, but was monumental in my recovery was just allow all foods. Um, whether you're physically hungry or emotionally hungry, just let yourself eat all these foods that were quote off limits or, you know, not healthy or whatever it is, allow it. And it was, you know, it's going to be really scary. And, uh, you know, Jesse Golden talks about this too. And you might, you know, even put on a couple of pounds as you work through this, but that was something I, had to do and honestly went a little crazy at first and I was scared, but I wanted to lean into this. And so I bought all the snacks that I used to like, quote, not be able to control myself around and kept them in the house. And after a while they became less enticing because I was allowed to have them whenever I wanted. Um, I added carbs back into my meals. I was, you know, wondering why I was like binging on things like nut butter and, 
paleo granola because my body for me, I just needed more carbs. I was an active person. And so, um, I can't eat gluten, but I adding like oatmeal and rice became regular staples in my meals and they just made them so much more physically and emotionally satisfying. And, you know, talking about back to fueling yourself, like your food needs to fuel your mind, body, and soul. And so if you're stuck eating something that's not feeding two out of three of those things, is not fueling two, two out of three of those things, it's not going to be a sustainable lifestyle for you. Um, and so that was huge for me is like, again, going back to like allowing all things. Um, and then also, you know, I, I was stuck on this high, high intensity workout cycle and finding a workout that didn't physically stress out my adrenal system was such a change for me. You know, I talked about how puffy and inflamed I was. It's because my body was stressed. I, my life coach made a good point that you know, if your body, if you feel that flight or fight response kick in before the workout has even started, like I'd get to my 6am hit class and I was, I was sweating before the class even started. Cause I was like so nervous and intense. And I knew this was like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta work as hard as possible to burn as many calories. It's like, if that kicks in the, before the workout has even started, then you know, this is not serving you. And I, I switched to, you know, slow weightlifting and, got into yoga more. And I would do like, I used to train, you know, long distance running. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do like a 20 minute, like quote sprint workout, but really just like play fun music and like run really fast for a minute and then like walk for a minute and like, just enjoy that like interval training in such a different way than I'd ever done before. And it was, it just made my workouts fun again and like created, you know, another opportunity to fuel my mind, body, and soul because it, it was fun. Um, and the last piece I'll say is like, it's really scary, um, you know, realizing that part of the reason that it was so hard for me and I think a lot of women to let go of their eating disorders is because I didn't know who I was without that like so much of my mental capacity was focused on, you know, what's the latest diet trend? Is it paleo whole 30? I was always consuming podcasts that, you know, for someone who's in a right mindset are healthy podcasts. But for me not being in a healthy mindset, it was just like constant noise of like, that was my quote unquote hobby. And that's not who I, yes, I love to be healthy and active and fit and nourish my body. But there's so much more to life than just focusing on that. But I didn't know at the time I was afraid to let go of that because I didn't know what, I didn't know what my, where, what my brain was going to think about if it wasn't just obsessed with food and the scale all day long. Well, it's, just um, like, it's like being in a, a bad relationship, right? You're like, yeah. I know that I want to be in love and in a healthy partnership, but I'm with this person who tells me that I'm like ugly and stupid and bad and that I need to be something different. And like, yeah. So it's just like there's a there's a healthy way to be in relationship to your your health and wellness and there's a unhealthy way and and really dissecting those things and challenging yourself beyond it so that you're not in this like toxic abusive cycle with yourself um is such a gift. You know, it's like a gift to you, it's a gift to your family, it's a gift to your community and like just to rewind, you know, I am so sorry for your loss and thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I know that that is a, thank a you. really devastating thing to come up against and um, it's it's really 
um, it's a vulnerable, it's a vulnerable thing to talk about, you know, stuff because it, because this, this sort of eating pattern and everything that it takes from you, um, there's a lot of shame attached to it. Where, um, as of this moment, like, how are you feeling in your journey or, or do you want to share where you are now? Yeah. So, um, my recovery started in 2019 and thankfully I found the right people after to help me after, you know, a couple of tri- trial and errors, like we talked about, um, which was necessary because I, my husband and I decided we were ready to start trying. And so I'd been in a good place of recovery for probably four months or so when we started trying to have a baby and we were very fortunate, um, to get pregnant pretty quickly. And, but I also know that that would not have been the case if I hadn't healed my relationship with food, like physically, emotionally before then. Um, and so, uh, as I'm sure some women can relate to going into pregnancy when you're supposed to gain weight and that's, what's right for your body kind of forces you to continue to be okay with that. And, you know, I, I had to get rid of the scale for a little bit. Um, but I was in a place then where I can, um, you know, I, I still to this day, two years later after recovery, give myself a pep talk where I'll just check in on the scale, like purely from a, you know, just re- removing all emotional attachment from it. I wish I could say I was perfect at it. I'm definitely not. But I today I definitely no longer binge. I am definitely aware of when those um, disordered thoughts come into play and can know very much that that is coming from my brain, which is an organ that's just trying to protect me. That's how I think about it. Um, Like if I actually, one book I want to recommend to everyone is the untethered soul. And it's about how you are, you are the voice that's here, or you are the person inside you that's hearing those thoughts. Um, and so I've learned to detach from them. I mean, they're definitely still there. It's, I, and I relate this to, I have some close, um, people in my life who have gone through AA and it is a daily practice for them. And so for me, I'm at a point where I know that it's, it's a daily practice from a place of love of like, Oh, I'm hearing a thought that's like, Ooh, do I want that? Do I want to eat that something in front of this person? And do I want to weigh myself on the scale today? Like, and just taking a second to be like, okay, where's that thought coming from? Um, but I think a little bit of it, it's a lifelong journey. And I think that's okay for me. I mean, obviously it's not um, ideal, but just the way that our society grows up and teaches women's, um, you know, it's so ingrained, you know, we talked about when I was starting this when I was 12 years old. And so uh, a little bit of that may always be a part of me, but I'm just in a such a better place right now where I, where I can separate from that. Even though I still hear those voices, I can separate from it. And that's, you know, all I can ask for, for now as I continue on this journey. Really? Oh, okay. Final wrap up question. If you could give one piece of advice to 12 year old Emily, when all of this kind of started, what would you say to her? I wish I had the perfect answer for that because I think I know what I would say to 30 year old Emily is, you know, um, food is there to fuel your mind, body, and soul. And 12 year old Emily, I hope would be able to grasp onto that. Um, but 
I think it's less about what I would say to her and just the example that I'd want to lead. And I think about this, you know, as I have a daughter now, but it's just the leading by example of not talking about foods as good or bad, not complaining that you've put on a couple of pounds after um, enjoying yourself on vacation, not making food um, the focus of everything, you know, in a bad way, not restricting anything. Um, it's that leading by example. And I think that's the best way we can, um, you know, talk, talk to our young, the young women in our lives about it. Absolutely. Oh, Emily, we are so grateful to you for sharing. Thank you so much. Like yeah. vulnerability that took a lot. You're so brave. Um, I, I know so many women will be so thankful to hear your story. So much of what you said, I know I have been working through and dealing with and, um, you know, it's just, I, it's, it's so important that we have these conversations with each other because it destigmatizes it. Yeah. And hopefully we open up a space for our, like you said, you have a daughter, right? So for the young women in our lives to kind of not have to contend with these issues on such a profound level. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I can't wait um, to go through those challenges, well, you know, because it's, it's society still exists. I can, I can be the perfect example. Not that I will be, but I'll try to be. And she still has external, uh, you know, factors in there. And so thank you guys for creating this opportunity to start those conversations that more people hopefully realize comments that could be triggering. And how do we, how do we stop doing that to each other? Thank you so much. Well, yes. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Have a great weekend and we will talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Bye, Emily. Okay, guys. Well, that was episode two. Thank you, Emily, again, for sharing your story. Um, So we wanted to finish every episode with, um, yeah, we're going to finish every episode with one win from the past week, a win or a struggle, and then just kind of what we took away from Emily. So I took away from Emily um, being mindful of exercise and how your exercise is fueling you mentally, how you feel when you're doing that type of movement. It's something um, that I don't know that we talk about a lot. So I really love that she brought that up. And a win from the past week is I have just been really good about being um, open to trying new foods. And yeah, it's exciting to explore that. How about you, Jess? Uh, well, this week I added avocado back into my diet and today had avocado and almond butter in the same day, which is new for me. Um, avocado was one of my like off limit foods. <laughs> uh, and then what did I take from speaking to Emily? Just that we're, we're not alone in this, like these experiences, these eating disorders, these issues. Uh, there's a common thread, a common theme, and it's okay to nourish yourself. In fact, it's really important and we are not alone. We do not have to be isolated. We can talk about it. We don't need to have stigmas uh, associated. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why we're, yeah, we're trying to create this place where you guys can listen and not feel alone and kind of listen to stories that maybe are like something you're going through, but you've 
possibly been scared to share. So on that note, uh, if you have a story that you want to share, please reach out to us. Not that kind of girl podcast. We would love to talk to you and we will uh, talk to you next week. Thank you guys. Take care.